Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. Uh, thanks for joining me. I w- want to talk a little bit tonight about some Dynasty things, but first, um, you know, I I do this podcast and I I do it as a release and it's fun. And as a part of that, like, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing glitzy production stuff, so I don't do music to start or any, you know, I'm trying to keep this ad free and it's just me talking to a mic, talking about something that I love. And, you know, I was, I was thinking a lot about that this weekend with the passing of Kobe Bryant. And I wasn't a huge Kobe fan. I wasn't a huge uh, basketball fan at that time. Like I watch basketball more now, I would say, and like more in the off season of football than I do. I mean, honestly, after the draft more than I do probably at any point leading up to the draft. Um, But it was, it struck me in a couple of different ways, just the, the impact of it all and i just the you know when when someone dies and you know that they you know them by one name like you know that's that's someone that's just at a at a different level in terms of just elite at what they did whether it's in music or it's in you know in in sports or in acting or anything like that like it's it's when the person goes by just one name and their first name um you know LeBron and Kobe and Shaq and you know Michael and you know you know who those people are just by their first name and they go so quickly i mean at the age of 41 with the ki- with the kids and the daughters and the picture it's all really heartbreaking but i just i was driving today actually and i saw I mean, I'm I'm in Syracuse, New York, and I saw a a sign, and it's you know we're a, like a uh, industrial town where a lot of industries left, and you know we we're big on college basketball, and you know we're not anywhere. Ne- I mean, the closest NBA team is five hours away, and this isn't like an NBA place really. Um, and it just struck me that I was driving down the street, someone took out a billboard in Syracuse, New York that said Kobe and it had a picture of him and it just said legend and with his, with his date of birth and his date of his death. And it's just, it just struck me that that's like the, the level of sort of the level of icon that we lost. And you talk, you hear all the stories that, that people talk about him and all the things that he did for sort of the younger generation and the unsolicited phone calls, offering advice and those sorts of things. And there's other superstars and you know like you don't you probably won't hear those stories about a lot of other superstars and a lot of other um you know other famous basketball players or football players or you know baseball players like that's a that's a rare thing where a superstar actually goes out on a on a um and is sort of a is truly a leader that's i think a lot of times why you don't see the superstars be um coaches you know because they don't embrace that you know taking people under their wing type of thing but it was it was just an interesting thing with Kobe so um yeah it's just always good to sometimes it's nice to get it off the chest but I figured in lieu of any sort of I don't want to make this podcast with um introductory songs and maybe I'll be convinced to do it at some point but at this point this podcast is about you know, trying to connect on dynasty football and, and things that ma- and you know, things that matter to me and this week Kobe did. So, um, I figured I would lead with that and, and just talk with that, you know, just take care of your family. And, you know, I spent a lot of extra time talking and thinking about my daughter this weekend. So, 
Um, if there's any good that comes out of that, it's it's the any good that comes out of this weekend. It's the stories and the time we spend with each other. So, um, with all that aside, uh, we're turning out of the to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Senior Bowl's over. I uh, I think it's important the the uh, Justin Herbert continued sort of drumbeat from the Senior Bowl wins the MVP. Um, wins the MVP on the. Uh, on the losing team without a really big production of a, of a day. I, I kind of wonder, you know, if, not that anyone really cares about the Super Bowl voting, the Senior Bowl MVP voting process, but I, I almost wonder if they don't pick a famous uh, or a, what they think is going to be a high draft pick or a famous player out of the hope that it, is a basically a PR stunt for the for the Senior Bowl. Um, there wasn't anything all that unique about Justin Herbert's performance in a losing in a losing effort. So, um, but it might be the highest pick coming out of that Senior Bowl. So that's, I guess, if we're talking value, that's it. Um, you know, I, I think some of these receivers are kind of interesting. Um, I saw. Um, I've I've seen some different hit rates and it's it's interesting when people you know talk and show different hit rates and stuff. One of the things I saw was like the hit, the hit rate for players that enter the draft and our four year graduates is significantly lower. It was something like five percent compared to a lot higher than that. It, you know it was like upwards of fifty or sixty percent for wide receivers that declare early. Uh, that's probably age related to a degree, production related to a degree. Um, the fact that some of the players probably couldn't have come out um, or would have gone undrafted if they had come out early. I mean, that's a that's somewhat of an indication of it, I think. Um, but it's it's always interesting to sort of watch these guys. I think we tend to overreact a little bit. So I saw a, a mainstream podcast talking about Van Jefferson this week, and um, I think it's important to keep in mind that you know, even the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl in most classes is going to be a day two pick. Uh, so they're mo- in most classes, it's rare that that person uh, is getting all the way up there to be a to be a first round or a true high end dynasty asset. So just keep those things in mind. And one thing I think you know we see more and more at this time of year is rookie mocks and you know, rookie rankings. And I think I've talked about this in different forms, but I'm really skeptical on those at this point. Uh, and part of the reason I'm skeptical is there's so much that we don't know about players, and I don't really want to commit to uh, player values and, and player player rankings and those sorts of things. And I've done a little work on this, and a lot of the variance in, in a player's August and September ADP, which would be the ADP right before the season, uh, north of 50% of it, I think it was closer to 75% of it, is actually measured by the January ADP. And it, I just used DLF for, for my data set on that just because it was just easy and clean to pick those months. And I went back a couple of years. Um, and when you think about that, like more than half of what explains the value is the, the first, is the prior. Uh, is the January ADP. All these things we study and, and all of those, uh, all the work that we do, it's it's less than half of it, essentially, is what the player's value turns out to be by that by that metric. Uh, so it's an interesting thing when you commit this early, you know, and then you see where the rankings are, and you sort of you sort of go um, back to the rankings when you're looking at picks, and and those things just sort of it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy to some degree. 
think that happens a lot with rookie with rookie classes. And one of the things I really think is important this year is to think about the range of outcomes for players. And so as we sort of are looking at players and studying them, getting a getting sort of a range of where you think the player might be going in the NFL draft and sort of at the high end where you think that would sort of put them on your rookie board and at the low end where you think that would put them on your rookie board. So if you have a receiver that you think, hey, most likely outcomes round one, or excuse me, most likely outcomes you know, midday two, a, sec- a later second round pick, um, but there's a high end side, he could be a late first round pick. Um, KJ Hill was a guy that I've heard um, first draft, for example, talked about this. This might be a good example. Um, he's There's a like a Small chance he's a late first round pick. Most likely he's a second round pick. Um, chance he slides to the third, and you know maybe a ten percent chance he slides on to day three. And sort of think about the player value. You know, if how do you feel about him at each at each stage of the game? And I think you should move his value. Even if you're high on him, you should you should move him down if he falls to round three or round four and if you're low on him and he goes in round one you should probably move him move him up you should be moving your players have your opinions on them but ultimately your opinion should move towards where the where the draft price is and I think that that's an important thing to get in mind uh, at this point and be thinking about those range of outcomes now Um, and I'll give you an example if you're drafting and right after the NFL draft. So if you're drafting, I've seen drafts start as early as Saturday of that week. So on day three of the draft, I wouldn't advise that. Um, I think it's too early to know sort of all of the, all of the changing landscape and to sort of process all that information that quickly is a little, it's, it's, I I wouldn't want to move that fast in a league that I was in. Um, So I want a few days to think about things and those sorts of things. Um, But if you're drafting on Saturday or on Sunday or the Monday after the draft, you will not have the benefit of new ADP. You're not going to have the benefit of a whole new set of rankings or uh, podcasts or any, uh, you know, any real resource in terms of updated stuff in that, 36 hours to 48 hours to 72 hours after the draft, you're just not going to get a lot of uh, market guidance or, you know, quote expert guidance um, that early on. So it's really, really tempting to just say, well, this player fell a little bit. I'll just stake him where the rankings had him before. If that player is Hakeem Butler and he falls to day three from where he was expected to be a, a early day two pick, that is a massive fall. I mean, your, your odds are falling from about a third to a, a 33% chance of hitting down to about a 5% chance of hitting. I mean, that's a massive fall in terms of draft pedigree. Uh, and if you're not if you're not moving and you're not sort of looking at those things and those players through that lens and you say, hey, listen, if no matter where he's picked, I'm going to draft him here, you're missing key value opportunities. So think about him on a scheme. Um, and I've, I've sort of taken to this a little bit in my, take you behind the curtain in my draft spreadsheets and I've got Google sheets and the whole nine, I'm sort of putting in there about what I think the, the pedigree would be in my notes. And then thinking, you know, here's sort of where I think that they might fall in terms of role. Um, and then sort of having an idea. And then as I sort of hone the process along, I'll update those. And then at some point what I'll do is sort of put 
you know, a, a ranking to it or some numbers to it or something to sort of sort the players, but have the the implied costs in, in mind, right? So, hey, listen, if this guy's a round two rookie pick and, you know, this the, these three guys are round two rookie picks, here's my preference sort of thing. And then if those, if those numbers change, it's going to move the needle a little bit. And so I think that's a, I think that's something to, to really focus on doing those sorts of broader, um, range of outcomes, range of spectrums analysis on players at this point. Um, the, we're turning into, by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be late January. We're turning toward the February uh, the February calendar. It's important to start looking ahead in terms of things that are coming in February. So we're going to see, I think, increased chatter about the uh, about free agency, uh, potential um, discussions about about where uh, about where players are going to go and those and those sorts of things. I mean, we've already seen that a bit with Rivers in terms of the fact that he's not going to go out. Uh, he's not going to go back to the Chargers. Uh, I don't. I I don't I don't put any particular stock on him going anywhere at this point. I think there's uh, I think there's a lot of uh, different uh, different ideas and different thoughts in the marketplace on where he might go. I am skeptical on him landing with Tampa Bay, for example. I think they have their quarterback is imperfect and as as flawed as he might be in. Jameis Winston. I just don't think that that that's what's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I I think he's more likely to go to a team like the Colts. Um, I mean, the Patriots are a dark horse. You know, there's. I I don't think he's going to go to the the Buccaneers as much as that's been rumored, um, because he's moving to Florida. So um, those types of situations are important to look for um, and just sort of keep keep an eye on those and how those might affect who might affect player valuations. Uh, of course, the combine is uh, February 24th through the uh, March 1st. So we're looking at the last week of uh, February to start thinking about uh, to start thinking about athletic testing. Um, there's always a good deal of movement in terms of players on that. I always like to think you should it's probably more of a move player down than move player up scenario. If a person flunks out of just being an NFL caliber athlete, that means more than a player running, you know, super, super fast, for example. Um, and I think some of that's going to be in prime time this year as a note that I saw in terms of the scheduling. So that'll be good to watch. Um, weekend in prime time would be fun to watch the 40 and those sorts of things, but keep the, keep the range and spectrum in mind on those things. Um, I think a really important day to watch, um, and it's actually more of a time period is the first day of uh, teams are allowed to franchise or, uh, franchise tag or transition tag players is February 25th. The deadline to do that is March 10th. So you got a couple weeks span in there where teams are going to be able to use the franchise tag or the transition tag. I think the there's going to be some key players in terms of that this year. Um, we should see some negotiations of contracts and, and extensions and, and those sorts of things prior to those tags. Um, so I'm looking for guys like Dak and guys like Amari Cooper in particular. Um, those are going to be key deadlines for those types of players. So important to watch those um, and, and keep, 
keep those dates in mind um, for the NFL purpose. For the dynasty purpose, I would say you're going to get an MFL rollover um, for those teams that play on MFL. That's a big thing. I mean, I, I have gone through and I, I do it somewhat neurotically um, every week that the playoffs go by. I sort of update the draft order for all of my leagues in a spreadsheet that I have. And I just have it ready. So that way, if the trade comes in, I don't have to re-go through all the, the tabulations and, you know, check the check the playoff bracket and the standings and then do the math. I just have it in one place. So that way I can evaluate, you know, what is this 2022nd, for example. Um, now with the rollover, I don't think a lot of people do that. I'm probably neurotic to, to, uh, an extent that not many people are on, on those sorts of things. Um, so there's, this tends to be a little bit of a downtime, both in terms of news, people decompressing, but the, the numbers not having specific picks next to them, that phenomenon I think is very real. And so when you see MFL rollover, and players will be and owners will be forced to actually pay up to the new uh, to the new uh, league deadline, and you have those those sorts of things. Like a lot of my leagues are March first, you have to re up by, or it's an orphan. Um, you know those those things will spur action. So I like to get sort of some thoughts in mind. I have not, I have not really pulled off any trades at this point. Um, I have engaged in some negotiations. Haven't really seen anything that I've liked. I'm not really a big trader for big movement at this time of the year, just because I think it's, you don't, you're not, you're without a lot of information. So it's important to, um, I want to have more information when I'm going to move a big player uh, on the types of assets that I'm going to get, unless it's a really blow me away type of deal. Um, and I just haven't come across any of those right now. And I think people are sitting on their picks a lot. Maybe that'll shake free. Um, I've seen tears start to harden in terms of some of the discussions that I've had on other podcasts. I mean, I've heard the line of 108 being a line of demarcation in, in super flex drafts. I think it's probably later than that uh, in terms of where you see a big teardrop. I think it's, it's going to be later than that. But if that 108 number starts to formulate in people's mind with I think the I think the players that he used were the four running I think there was three receivers um no sorry it was three quarterbacks two running backs and three wide receivers or some combination thereof to make to make eight uh, I, I I think I'm off on that number I think I'm I think the number is bigger than that so but if you see that that analysis start to harden and start to sharpen up a little bit and that becomes the the narrative is that the late firsts are that's a tear break there those picks will become more accessible whereas they're not i don't think right now so that's something that i'm watching um i have a i have a team tracker that i do and i would highly recommend this and so what i do is i put all of my all of my teams in a google sheet and so i have all of the the rosters right next to each other in terms of, um, you know, league one. And I just, I have all the players on a thing and then league two, and I have all the players and I write in there the name of the league, you know, the, the entry fee, the starting lineup requirements, any important dates that I should know. Just, it's like a notes page. So that way I have everything all in one spot. And then I also have a, off of that, I'm able to track my exposure to players. Um, and so I have different, you know, uh, 
four different sheets for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends that go through and track my exposure to to players. You know, whether I have him on 20% of my leagues, 0% of my leagues, 50% of my leagues, it'll just tell me that number, and then I can see what leagues I have him just on a separate line. So building something like that I think is really valuable. Um, that, that helps me sort out my, my thoughts. And again, if you have like a guy like Raheem Mostert, just clarifying that process a little bit will have you, you know, listen, where, where I want to sell Raheem Mostert for a 2020 second, where can I do that? And instead of having to go through my all league tabs and everything like that, if you have him all in one, all in one sheet where you can sort of sort it by what, where your player is, um, that is, that's, I think an invaluable tool. Um, you can say, all right, well, in these four leagues, I have him, let's shop out these offers. And then you already have your picks, all your picks on your sheet. So you can tell where, uh, what picks are what, and you can go out shopping relatively easy. Um, that's all stuff that like now's a great time to do. Uh, now's a great time to do those sorts of bigger picture things because it's really tough to get that organized in when, when bullets are flying in rookie drafts or when they're flying in you know, startup drafts or any of those in, um, or in the season, like it's tough to build those things right now. You have a little bit of downtime, fix those things. Um, the other thing too, is you you are probably, I know I am not in compliance on the rules in a couple of my leagues. So, and we have the, I think it's a deadline of like March 1st to get to you know, whatever the lineups are or whatever the roster requirements are. But I have a couple guys on IR and the taxi. And so I'm just, I have, you know, a couple of weeks to either cut somebody or, or make a trade. So I'm trying to do those sorts of things as well. I, like I said, I'm not making big deals, but if I can move you know, back up running back, um, you know, Carlos Hyde for a third or something like that, like just to, to free up the roster spot so I don't have to cut someone. I'm willing to do that. Um, and, and guys further down the line, you know, if there's uh, a low level wide receiver, for example, um, and I can get some sort of rookie pick price for him, I will do so and, and ship him off. Um, and sort of to create those roster spots, cutting kickers and defenses starting, starting there, obviously. Uh, but make sure you're in compliance. You don't want to get docked picks or dock players or have the commissioner say, Oh, I want to cut, you know, Ooh, this carry on Johnson was on IR and you're not in compliance. We're cutting carry on Johnson. You don't want to get into those sorts of things. Um, uh, just just be careful on those. Make sure you're in compliance on the rules on those sorts of things. Um, so those are the bigger picture topics that I'm looking for in February. I think a lot of it's just going to continue to be rookie draft preparation. Um, I want to get in a startup or two um, this off season. Who am I kidding? It's probably more like five, but um, you know that that'll probably be a time that I start. The difference, I think there is a difference in, in terms of how you draft pre-NFL draft and, and after the NFL draft. I think you have to be really cognizant about the positions that have a big impact on draft position. So, for instance, a guy like, you know, quarterback has a lot of importance at quarterback. How do you value a guy like Jordan Love that's got a wide range of of outcomes on his his NFL draft pedigree? I mean, if he's a later first-round draft pick, that means that means something if he's a third round draft pick, that means something entirely different. And so how do you sort of value those sorts of things? I think those are critical questions. It adds a new piece of, of, of strategy and, and, and um, competition to a draft where you might not otherwise see it. Um, you know, same, same thing at, at wide receiver. Pedigree matters there. So you should 
got to be really cognizant of the invest the wide receivers you're investing in. Hakeem Butler, Calvin Harmon, Auden Tate, recent examples of guys that were projected to go pretty high in the NFL draft that fell through the floor and were uh, big-time losses if you were investing in them in, in February or March uh, or April in startup drafts uh, highly. Um, same thing goes with Devi. Um, now's a good time, I think, to, to really think about your Devi players. If you're playing Devi, I don't play a lot of it, but I like to look at, at my Devi players and think, hey, is there anyone that I think is a sort of at a high risk profile coming into the draft that might, that might bomb out or might land in a bad spot uh, athletically or might land in a bad um, spot because they got character issues or any of those things and try and ship them off, get, get out for the price that you want to get out for or get out for what you think is a win um, and now. Uh, before the person falls. And I, particularly at receiver, I like to do that. So those are just some of the things that I'm looking to do. Again, I'm still doing bigger picture stat stuff in terms of thinking about different things and thinking about you know how the stats fell last year and you know what was inefficient, what's likely to repro- you know, reproduce um, itself next year in terms of rates and those sorts of things. Um, I've been diving into some PFF stats. Um, you know, just for my own personal research, just looking into some, some different ideas and concepts there. Uh, and some of this next gen stuff, I'm keeping my eyes open on, on those sorts of developments. You've got like the new, the, the, the big data bowl at the Super Bowl. you know, there's, there's tracking stuff on running backs that they're trying to do. I think it's all really interesting and sort of look at, you know, see if there's anything that comes out of those things in terms of just theory. I'm not sure how practical it is for, for, dynasty but just some theory things to see if we can sharpen up our process so i'm uh, you know doing reading and doing um different types of listening to podcasts i sort of tune out a little bit from football at this time of year and and think about business or think about um, investing and those sorts of things i think a lot of that stuff's pretty practical for for dynasty even if we don't think about it um in day to day so those are some of the bigger picture things i'm thinking about in february um, not much in terms of news outside of Kareem Hunt continuing to get in, uh, continuing to get himself in trouble. I, uh, I just, I don't know what, <laughs> what is, is gonna it, it take for him to not be, um, getting in trouble. You know, he, he's alleged to have told the police, yeah, I'd fail a drug test right now. Um, which, you know, seems like a good indication of, I mean, if I was one of the drug testers and saw that, it would seem like a good time to go out and test him. Uh, so we'll see if there's any suspensions or anything coming from that, uh, had drugs in his car, uh, marijuana at least, and, um, or what appeared to be marijuana. And, you know, this, this isn't a good trend for him. And, you know, one thing that we don't, you know, I think we we see the end of last year, and this is a good. This is probably a good example of like a story that recurs a little bit and a trend that recurs, which is we see a player that has this off-field problems, and then he comes back for a sample size. Tyreek Hill comes back, plays well this year. We sort of forget about the the stuff that happened in the off season last year. Same thing with Cream Hunt. He comes in, scores. Uh, points pretty well at the end of the season produces um, very usable stat lines uh, at the at the end of last year and cuts in and Nick Chubb I mean that was a popular narrative in terms of all of that stuff 
and now he's now he is um, back to doing some of this dumb stuff that got him in trouble initially and that got him suspended. Uh, and so I think we have to be careful about we think that a lot of dynasty market value is recency biased in terms of just what did a player do last year tells you a lot about what what they uh, what their market valuation will be and that's the biggest thing in terms of how they're valued uh, so just that when when that happens it's a big deal because it might cloud out our vision on some of the um, the bigger problems that we have with players or the bigger risk profiles that they pr- represent. You know, Kareem Hunt was running back 17 from week 10 on last uh, in 2019. Um, you know, to give you an idea, that's ahead of Le'Veon Bell. That's right behind Leonard Fournette and Nick Chubb. So, you know, the that and he had 37 receptions compared to Chubb's 11. Right, like all of those things are 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 critical factors in how to value him and the market is but I think at the expense of forgetting some of the risk factors that are present in Kareem Hunt so that is something that that these players will will have and we we have to keep those things in mind in terms of how we're we are investing in them because just because he got suspended and comes back everyone deserves a second chance all of those things are fine um, sometimes people are more likely to regress to their mean over the long term. And so just, just keep it that in mind with guys that are off field risks. Um, I think it's, it's a notable, it's a notable trend that we've seen in prior years. Um, uh, other, other news of note, uh, Mitchell Trubisky has a torn labrum, uh, in his non-throwing shoulder that he had surgically repaired. George Kittle is also reported to have a torn labrum in his shoulder that he's playing through right now. And it has apparently been playing through for two years. I um, actually tore my labrum uh, in my throwing shoulder when I was younger. I would not wish that injury on anybody. Um, And to this day, I haven't had it fixed. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone playing football. It is a, it is not a fun injury to experience. So, um, you know, it's interesting that Trubisky was somewhat, skittish down the stretch last year you wonder if that's that's what what the rationale was he didn't want to deal with the pain which I frankly I get um, it'll be interesting to see if Kittle gets it fixed he sort of expressed that he doesn't want to so um, that's just something to watch in terms of an off-field story Dak Prescott uh, was has told Ian Rappaport from NFL.com that he uh, has confidence the Cowboys will extend him um you know they they need to do that to get Cooper and Byron Jones under contract is what the NFL uh, is what the Roto World blurb says. I I agree with that. I think that that's uh, the the first domino to drop for them should be signing Dak, get him under contract, pay the man what he deserves to be paid, and and go from there. He is a franchise quarterback, and they should treat him as such and sort of get that underway. Um, other than that, I think there's there's not a whole lot more going on at this point. I think it will be fun when when startup drafts kick into full gear in the off season. We'll have more discussion about that. Um, oh, Bill O'Brien is now the the GM of Houston, so look for them to continue to make quizzical value trades. Um, and yeah, I, I don't. I guess that's that's he hired someone that can get along with him. So, um, 
so that's good for Bill O'Brien. Um, so that's that's pretty much the news. Um, and so, uh, and one piece of data before we close, I did see a discussion on the on Twitter today uh, on the theory of of running backs versus receivers and startup drafts. And basically, the the person surmised that they should go running back early in a startup draft because, like, look at what it's done in recent history, and uh, you know the 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 hit rate essentially is is better on running backs and and um, early and you can get a lot of wide receivers later and um, I just I don't that's not true and it's not been historically true um, I went through tonight and just before I was I was ramping up the podcast I just said well, let me just look at let me just just check out some of the data um, and I think a lot of times I think it's instructive because a lot of times the um, uh, we sort of in hindsight remember oh look you know Christian McCaffrey was dominant he was a first round pick um, but we forget about some of the the bumps in the road along the way of some of these players 75% um, of running backs that were drafted with first round ADPs in 2019 hit in year one for a top 24 season that is um short of wide receivers who 100% of them did so. Um, so wide receivers had an advantage against small sample size, but I think it's notable. Um, interestingly, 100% of the running backs drafted in round two hit uh, for a top 24 season. So if you sacrificed uh, a round two pick to move up into the first round at the cost of a 2021st, you were less likely to hit for a top 24 season than you were just sitting put in the second round. Um, so those, those things are not, you know, everyone takes it for granted, uh, that it's just moving up. will will land you better. The hit rates on that are actually not as good as people appreciate. So I think that's, it's notable. Um, and they sort of balance out later on. It's, it's fluke. It's a little fluky, um, in terms of it, uh, running backs outproduce wide receivers in round two, three, and four, whereas wide receivers produce in better in six and it sort of fluctuates from there on out numbers are pretty small outside of round eight um I, and then i also looked for just 2019 just in year one um 67 of the receivers drafted in the first round finished with a top 12 finish only 50 percent of running backs did so if you think you're going up in the first round and you're getting a surefire sure hit uh year one winner you got a rude awakening. That, that's just, that doesn't, that has not historically happened. And it didn't happen in 2020 or excuse me, 2019. So just keep those things in mind. I think when you actually take a step back and look at it, that, that theory sounds great until you realize that players actually have to play the game and produce. 67% um, of running backs drafted in round two actually finished with a top 12 finish. And that's, uh, again, if you traded up from round two to round one, uh, you actually did, had a had a worse outcome. So, uh, in terms of odds of hitting, um, so uh, running backs did. There's a no, you know running back in round eight actually did produce a top six. Excuse me, a top twelve finish. So, um, wide receivers are historically confined to the early part for their productiveness. Um, and I, I just went and did this back, uh, going back a few years, actually all the way back to 2008. So I just looked at year one hit rate, uh, wide receivers, year one hit rate, 83%, uh, and round one for a top 12, excuse me, a top 24 finish. So 83% of round one wide receivers, uh, finish as a fantasy starter in year one. That's only 77% for running back. Still good. Not great. 
um, and, and behind wide receiver. Um, they perform about the same in round two, about the same in round three, and then from round four uh, through seven, running backs out, th- or excuse me, four, five, six, and seven running backs out produce wide receivers, and then it sort of fluctuates a little bit after that. Running backs are better from like round nine on. Um, and if you sort of uh, do the same thing with the, with the higher threshold, uh, same thing. Wide receivers uh, outproduce running backs early in the draft and then um, running backs later on. So drafting that, that theory is – it's a good theory, uh, but I, it's, it has no real basis in historical data to actually suggest that that is true. And even if you were to look at a metric like warp, you might get a slight uptick in sort of the warp you would expect – early in a draft by going running back over receiver, but you're going to, you're going to eat it right. You're going to get kicked right in the teeth later on when you do that, you're going to pay for that later. The, the, you, you at some point have to take a pick that's inefficient. And if you do it early at, if you go early at running back, you're going to pay at wide receiver later on. So um, that is something that you know people think they can get away with this year for some reason. That has not historically really ever happened. So uh, that is just a notable thing to watch. Running backs are always have a better shot to win just because of the – or a better shot to produce just because of the um, the the – ability of running backs later in the draft to actually get up and get relevant touches. So that's just a notable thing that I saw this week. So with that, I'll, I'll close out the podcast. I just want to, again, point you towards the analytics of dynasty 2020 edition. A lot of this sort of data is in there. Um, and, and, you know, looking at warp and I take a whole look at warp and year one warp and all of those fun things, um, in drafts and, and compare it and why one through three warp and, um, you know, one of the things I looked at was embracing randomness, which a lot of that just just went right to the core of that debate that I just discussed. And I'll note that I wrote, wrote this book in advance of the of the off season, and so I don't get a lot of I don't know what the storylines are going to be when I write the book, but there are a lot of storylines that I wrote about in the book that actually came to fruition and things I, you know, things, situations I, I generally anticipated or wanted to be able to know when they came up. A lot of them have come up and, you know, a lot of the, you know, the player tracks and player success and profiles and those sorts of things are highly relevant this year. So um, I'm glad I sort of hit, I think I hit this year on a successful topical um, coverage. So um, you can get all that at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. The 2020 edition is on sale for $30. If you're newer to the podcast, if you're newer to Dynasty, dive in and get the 2019 edition. 20 bucks, I have it on sale there. Uh, it'll get you the it'll get you sort of your your general hit rates, a lot of the the more general stuff in terms of it's a, it's a broad overview of the topic. I like to say it's the 100 level course to dynasty, um, but 400 level players can actually get something from it. So, anyone can use that and there's some there's some a lot of a whole range of uh, players have have found success with the book. So, that's on sale now uh, at analyticsdynasty.com/shop for $20. You can get all my Patreon stuff. Um, I just released my wide receiver tiers. So I have running back, wide receiver, excuse me, quarterback, wide receiver, and tight ends out. I'm going to be working on running backs in the next day or two here uh, to get those tiers out. And it's an interesting and different way to look at players. Um, and I think there's some interesting value opportunities that present themselves when you look at players that way. Uh, and I think it's going to be something that we can 
can maximize in startup drafts and trades and rookie drafts coming forward. So have those out. I've been recording podcasts like um, like a wild child, just the the ability to, to just talk and have a thought and then record it and get it out. It's really, really helpful to me. Um, it doesn't really necessarily bog me down in writing. It gives me a lot of opportunities to sort of think about something and then and then write it. Um, so I, I love the format and I'm going to keep doing it, uh, keep turning out podcasts. Um, so you can go find all that content at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. Um, for as little as four bucks a month, you can get some of the podcasts and I've got different tiers over there, including a group me, uh, with a whole bunch of podcasts. Um, you can go check that all out there and it'll help keep this podcast, uh, ad free and those sorts of things. It's not a route I want to go down. Um, and so any help you can give there is great. So again, thanks for, for, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll, we'll talk again soon until then keep embracing the variants.